everyone welcome to the episode 26 of solid saturday the guest we have today fabio he is a ceo of e learning platform company which is called cluster i know him actually since last couple of years through his great work in the data field and i keep following his post actually so definitely i can say that he's truly leading his passion towards the data so let's not wait wait actually and hear more from his about his interesting career journey how did he find his passion and managing to be one of the leaders in the data space so thank you so much fabio and welcome to the solid saturday podcast i am really really glad actually to see you and uh, happy to have you on the show thank you very much for inviting me and i'm very happy to be here and share my experience with everyone here so uh let's just get started by Maybe I can introduce myself. Yep. Um, so I'm from Venezuela, by the way. I live in Mexico City. I've been here for the past five years, mm-hmm. and uh, but I've been dedicated to the world of data science for the past uh, seven, eight years. I started back in 2013, uh, just as a hobby, maybe. Yes, mm-hmm. wanted to learn machine learning, and now I'm full time dedicated into teaching uh, the ways of machine learning and data science to people. Mm-hmm. Okay uh thank you for sharing so to start with actually uh when i saw your career journey you handled multiple roles actually you were editor then you were like you know in the data science space actually you managed to be like you know principal data scientist chief data scientist and then you moved towards your entrepreneurship before that also you worked with the academics as well actually you were professor and you worked with the emeritus as well so uh, would you like to share more about it to the audience Yeah, of course. So my journey, I think, is very similar to the people who are coming from the world of science. <laughs> so, um, for people to know, I studied physics, mm-hmm. and then I did a, a, an engineering in computation in computer science, and I actually came to Mexico to do my master's in physics. Mm-hmm. So all my career was dedicated, like my career in the academic world, was dedicated to physics. But all the time, I was really interested in machine learning, uh, in deep learning, and 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 then I discovered that like what I really like was data science, and we can go like into more detail about what's data science later. But um, regarding my experience, um, so when I was in Venezuela working, uh, studying, I started a, I started in a company that was focused on marketing. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and for some reason, we had a project, and that and that project was about understanding the data from a business, and that was that was new for me. I mean, I was studying machine learning, but just like this is interesting, I want to know about it, and that's it. But then I had to apply it, and I remembered that uh, back in two thousand thirteen, fourteen, it was not that common to see all of these books and. courses and papers and all of this information about data science that is glowing right now was not that clear back then so um we only had like the andrew eng's course in coursera and two three books there was that, that, that were very important and that's it so um i think it was very empirical for me in the beginning mm-hmm. um then i realized that when i came to mexico that uh there was a, a lot of big companies here that were doing data science and uh so i got really interested in the way of how can we apply or how could i apply all the knowledge 
uh, I was getting from school, from from practicing, from from coding. Because one of the cool things that, that happened for me when I started in in the world of data science was that I started contributing to open source. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, then you get the experience of working with thousands of people around the world. You're, you're, you're not getting paid, but it's interesting. Uh, so um, then I got into Mexico, Spain, and Latin America. Mm-hmm. And so um, I started working in big companies. And I started out, I, I didn't start as a junior data scientist because I had all the experience from like science and stuff like that. So I think my, my first roles were actually a data scientist working with the, the teams in the, in the company. And very fast, I moved into senior data scientist. And with that, like in, in two, three years, I transformed myself into a chief data scientist, principal data scientist. And so basically, if one of the, the, the big difference we have is that you have to take, uh, you have more power for decisions. Mm-hmm. Basically, that means that um, whenever you're starting to a project and you are a junior data scientist or a data scientist, then you're working to solve problems, to code, stuff like that. But when you're working like a principal data scientist, chief data scientist, you have to work directly with the management, mm-hmm. with the stakeholders. You have to explain to people why do you need to do all these kind of things for data science and you have to manage um, other people. So... Um, the cool thing about data science is that because there's not that much people doing it right now, mm-hmm. it's not that hard to grow and to grow fast. And so I took advantage of that, that uh, I was one of the first people who were talking about data science here in Mexico. And uh, I started um, creating blogs and articles and videos and webinars and all of that that we can discuss later. But um, the, the cool thing that's because I got so much exposure uh, so much, so much exposure uh, of what I was doing and thinking and my knowledge, it was very easy to grow in the space. And it's not that difference right now because if you start talking about data science all the time and you create articles and you have blogs and you have projects and you do all these things, you are gonna get noticed because there's not that many people doing it. Yet, uh, to be honest, so um, growing in this space was not that hard for me. To be honest. Yeah, so the way you are talking actually truly shows that, you know, once you found your interest, actually, you grabbed every single opportunity, how you can showcase your knowledge, as well as one very important aspect that you mentioned that, you know, uh, without worrying about the returns, uh, you started working as well. So whether you are getting money, money in return or not, like, you know, because a lot of times you think about the money aspect of it as well. But when it comes to your interest, sometimes you have to invest more and uh, without worrying about the returns. So thank you so much for sharing. That is very important uh, point over here. Moving towards your career journey, when we talk about your specific roles and responsibilities, already you shared a couple of uh, things, but uh, when you look look into your career journey actually what are the most uh, differences you see in your roles and responsibilities and you think that you enjoyed that most yeah so i think my first real real job as a data scientist mm-hmm. was in a bank in a big bank here in mexico bbva is called they, they have several branches uh, in the world and that was super interesting because it was the first time I had to, I had the experience of working with other data scientists. Because before that, I was like the only data scientist in a company. And I had like 
all the responsibility to do everything. And I mean, in the beginning, I was a data engineer, data scientist, and, and that's, if you're hearing this, and you're, and you're working for a small company, you know that, that that's the case. You have to clean the data, uh, create databases, do the, the algorithms, do the plots. But when you're working with a big team, you have more specialized tasks. So that was very interesting for me because uh, for the first time, I, I had the chance to discuss um, uh, like algorithms and to talk about these things with other people that were very good uh, at it. So that was very cool. I think another interesting role for me was when I was the principal data scientist for a company called OXO. And if you don't know it, OXO is like the 7-Eleven of Mexico. They have like 17,000 stores here. So they're, they're huge. And um, so I started there um, and, and the idea was to create the data science department. Mm -hmm. So um, that's the, like the main difference between being a chief data scientist and a principal data scientist is that sometimes when you're a principal data scientist, that means you have to lead the creation of a team. Mm -hmm. A chief data scientist can also do that, but it's more common that you are, already have a team to work with. Oh. So as a, as a principal data scientist, what I had to do was to work very close to the stakeholders, to the C-level, um, to, to build the department and find uh, which people inside of the company were good to be transformed into data scientists. And that's very important. Sometimes you think about hiring people, but it's, uh, I mean, in my experience, and I think you, you can read this in the internet as well, uh, there has been tremendous success when you transform people that are from the like the data analyst or they just know the business very well. If you, if you can move those people to data science, you have the advantage that, that they already know the business. So that's very good. So that's one of the things I, I was doing there and also uh, have the chance to talk about technology, how mm -hmm. to create the infrastructure, uh, like which type of software should we buy, uh, how can we create a methodology for working in data science in the company? And that's very hard because sometimes you hear about like crisp DM and you hear about all these other stuff that are very uh, like they're well documented. But when you start working with a company, you need to adapt that to your company because sometimes you don't, you don't have all this, this, this personal to talk about, Oh yeah, we need like five data engineers and we need that five. If you don't have that. Yeah. Yeah, if, if if you don't have that, so you, you so I, I think that was a very very cool uh, chance I had to work uh, and create a department in data science. Yeah, yeah, that's very important to highlight actually that you know, the person needs to be curious actually when it comes to data science. It is not like you are dependent on a lot more people because there are a lot of organizations uh, who are struggling to get all that infrastructure. Actually, you know, they have the teams of data engineers or data analysts or uh, like you know proper structure within the team so it is more over like sometimes it happens that even though they define data scientist as more work towards the decision making side uh, sometimes you have to work through every every single phase so <laughs> so that is very important uh, moving towards uh, we will start exploring your career journey more in detail actually so you were in the academics and we would like to hear more about your teaching style and how was that actually teaching phase so after working several years in companies or as a consultant, because I also did that, sometimes mm -hmm. I was working, 
So uh, when I was starting uh, to work in data science in companies, then I got a lot of people like, hey, I want to do this. I want to have this project. How can I do this? So I started working as a freelancer maybe for other companies as a consultant, trying to help them get there, uh, creating different projects for them as well. Well, I was working in the other companies as well. So, and that was very interesting because I had the chance to use both experiences to improve one another. Because working in a company is not the same as working as a consultant. It's, it's a very different world. It's, it's, one is slower, but uh, more clear what you have to do. The other one is kind of faster. More, uh, the changes are happening all the time at the same moment. So you have to adapt very fast. So it, it, you have to take into account that it's not the same. Uh, but after doing all of that, um, um, and what, while I was doing all of that, I, I was also um, writing about data science, talking about it, creating tutorials, creating, and, and I got very interested in the um, uh, formalization of our field. That means like, what is data science? What do we have to do to be a data scientist? Uh, what you should be studying to be a data scientist? And all those things were out there in the internet. Some people had their opinion, uh, but I tried, I, like I, I've been trying for the past three years to really talk about that and help people get into the field. So um, then I realized that I was very excited about teaching. And so, well, I was doing all of that. I, I was also creating courses for my, um, I mean, for some of the people I, I was working for, I was teaching other people to become data scientists. So I had the like internal experience of teaching data science inside of companies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but then I got a call from people at Emeritus. They are a big company that they manage courses from schools like Dartmouth and uh, MIT and, and Columbia and Wharton and all of these things. And they said like, hey, do you want to teach for us? Mm-hmm. So, um, and that was very interesting because, uh, and now I'm working in, in, in that company. We can talk about that later, but um, that was my first time teaching like a, a university course oh. in data science, in machine learning, in programming, Python, all of that. So um, I really liked it. I really had a lot of fun in my first course. And mm-hmm. now I just can't stop. I mean, I'm just, creating courses and teaching courses for a lot of different schools. Mm-hmm. And it's just awesome to be able to help people in, in a more formal way because I was doing it before, but I didn't know the impact because I mean, my articles, sometimes I have articles that are being read by 10,000 people and that's super cool. But then you think about like, who's reading this? Yes. Like, I don't really know who, uh, what's the impact because if you have 10,000 views, sometimes you get two or three comments. And I mean, you don't really know yeah. like how much you're getting out there. And so we, when, when you're teaching a course, you have 15 people with, there with you, you know the impact you're creating, you know what you're doing, and you have the instant feedback. So I, I, I really love that. Yeah, that's true, actually. Um, I have a funny story, actually, about this uh, visibility. So when I started, like, you know, uh, I got inspired by you, Terry, like, you know, lots of good leaders on the LinkedIn. So um, 
I when I started doing sharing my knowledge, actually, I feel that knowledge sharing is the important aspect of learning anything new. So whatever I was learning in the university, I started creating the short, you know, tutorials kind of out of it. So that was a great way of learning because people used to ask me the questions like, you know, how are you doing that? And it was giving me the opportunity to explore and find out the other approach of it as well. So that was one thing. And when I started making it public and when I went to the one of the conferences, actually, one person said that I know you. And I was like, no, I don't know you. <laughs> so uh, then that person said that I follow you on LinkedIn and like your posts. And then uh, I was like, oh, OK, so one of my friend was standing next to me and she gave me the advice saying that, you know, you made your profile public now. So whenever people say you that, you know, hey, I know you. So you should say that, you know, of course I do same. Like, you know, I, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, people know you because of you, you are doing yourself like a public. So that is the thing, actually, when you said that you are getting the 10,000 views and you don't know, actually how people are following you. So I can truly say that whenever I see your posts, I see them like very value added actually. So I can also relate to that. So uh, thank you so much for bringing that point up. Like, you know, um, and one more aspect, uh, one more thing actually, uh, when we talk about this uh, bringing, you know, content on the social media platforms or something, it is more over like you don't have any idea. Whenever you see the view analytics also, it gives you the general analytics. You don't know actually which person is looking into your profile. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, truly, <laughs> to your thing. I did not achieve that much in my career yet, but uh, I can see that, you know, whatever you are telling, that is something happening to me, started happening to me as well. So, thank you so much for being, bringing that point up. Uh, moving towards... Uh, you know, uh, I remember actually, uh, you guys started the data science office hours actually. And that time I, yeah. I was pursuing my master's and I used to wait for that episode actually, because I used to get a lot of things before in advance, before I'm taking any course in the university. So one thing I heard from you is the Kafka, which is like, you know, before university, I took the big data engineering course. So I was aware that, okay, there is something upcoming in the data science field or the big data side. So uh, I would like to, you know, ask you, like, you know, uh, how was that experience actually overall with you and uh, any memory that you would like to share? With yeah, us? of course. So that the beginning of this office hours was very interesting. So let me paint you a picture real quick here. Mm -hmm. Back in 2017, 2017, the community of data science in LinkedIn was non-existent. Mm -hmm. So there were like four people talking about data science, but LinkedIn was more about for looking for jobs. Like people were like, okay, people, uh, you, you create your account and you create your resume and you apply for jobs. And that was LinkedIn for, for all of us. And I actually created my LinkedIn, my LinkedIn account for that. Uh, mm -hmm. One year before that, 2016 or 15, I was like, okay, I'm doing my master's. So sometimes I want to, I, I want to have a job. So I'm going to create my LinkedIn account. <laughs> uh, but then I started uh, seeing posts from two people particularly. One was called Bo Walker, and the other one was called Eric Weber. Walker, yeah. So they were talking about their experience. I was like, oh, this is very interesting. And yeah. they're, they're like, oh, yeah. And back then, uh, Eric worked at, at, at LinkedIn. Uh -huh. So he was sharing his own experience 
as, a, as working from LinkedIn as a data scientist. Bo Walker was working for a company in biology, I think. It was that was very interesting as well. So I got inspired by them and by someone else called, called, uh, called Kirk Bourne. And Kirk Bourne uh, is very famous also in the world of data science. And, and he was more present in Twitter, but he was also starting to use uh, LinkedIn. So I started doing the same. I started like creating posts on like what I was thinking and learning and helping people like um, like come into the ways of data science. So that was very interesting. And then Bo Walker had the idea on, uh, because he was getting so many questions through through LinkedIn mm-hmm. and, uh, that he's like he's like okay I cannot answer to to everyone here, so I'm gonna create uh, something like an office hour something like that. Um, and the beginning was on Instagram Lives, and that was like the first one ever. I, I think that's not uh, that uh, that um, I, I I don't think people know that, but the first one was on Instagram, and I was there with him. Because he mentioned like, hey, I'm going to be on Instagram answering questions about data science. If you want to be there, let's be there. And I talked to him, like, hey, can I help you answer questions? And said, okay, of course. So in the first one, we were in, in, um, on Instagram. But the problem was that we were, our following was on LinkedIn, not, not on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people didn't have the chance to go to Instagram. They, some of them didn't even have an account. So it, it was not that successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but then um, uh, we did a second one on mm-hmm. Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. And then more people in the community that were also talking about data science got interested. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that was um, Harry Singh mm-hmm. um, and, Eric, and, and Eric Weber. They talked to us and said, hey, can, can we join? So then we said like, okay, we cannot do more than two people on Instagram. So we have to move to YouTube. So that was the beginning. We moved to YouTube, and in the first sessions, we were only like Terry, Bo, Eric, and me. Yep, so, yep. I remember. And, and, and then uh, we got messages from more people that were actually interested, and they were very good in data science. And they were like, hey, can we join? And we, because we're, we're also getting a lot of questions. And that was the same for me. Back then, I had like 20,000 connections on, on, uh, on LinkedIn. And I was getting tons of questions every day. And it was impossible to answer all of them. So what we did was like, okay, let's take our like most repeated questions and answer them in a session. Mm-hmm. So by the fourth or fifth episode, uh, we were more people. We were, Kristen Ketter was there. Kate Stranchi was there. Uh, Andreas Kretz was there. Matt Dancho was there. So it, it was like, that was awesome because in that, that, the year after that, we were all named top 10 voices in LinkedIn. Yes. Um, so that was very cool because we were all working in the same, I mean, we, we were all friends. We were all talking all the time. And so I think that was the peak of LinkedIn. Now it's not the same. Uh, now it's just downwards. But uh, back then, that was the peak of LinkedIn because there was a lot of great, uh, the algorithm was great back then because we were all getting a lot of exposure and, and, and for people it was awesome because they wanted to see our posts 
So I, I think it was a very fun experience. I mean, in, in the time people got, uh, got a, a different job then, uh, or they were busy having kids, some of them. So they had to separate uh, from the, uh, the hours. So in the end, that left into data science life that I did with Kristen only. And then she had another kid, and and also, and and then I was alone. So, and we can talk about that later. But I started my own show um, just a couple months ago. Yes, we will talk about that actually. I I do have a question around that as well. So, yeah. uh, thank you so much for sharing, and I completely remember that. And I guess you set up that YouTube account as well, right, for the data science. Yes, it's yeah. still. Uh, by the way, um, if you're hearing this, um, Andreas and I had a session a, a few weeks ago. We, we hadn't had the chance to do more because of the craziness in the world right now. Uh, but um, I think in the next weeks, we're gonna get started again with mm -hmm. Office Hours. Uh, it's gonna be only him, uh, he and I. Uh, so um, I'm gonna announce that later maybe, but uh, that, could, that is a, a, a possibility. Yeah. Oh, Great, actually. So, audience, actually, I would encourage you to, uh, you know, visit the data science officers on the LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, as well as in the LinkedIn. Also, you will see the post if you search for it. And uh, actually, that is worth checking out. I felt that were lots of questions got answered around the data science, how you can enter into the data science field, or what were the what are the challenges, what are the skill sets you can work on, and definitely through this series, also, I'm trying to explore where the data science from there to now actually where it is leading. So please do check out the data science officers. It is really worth checking out. Uh, moving towards uh, your data science now actually, new series that you just spoke about. So like I first question I would uh, navigate towards is like, you know, what are the changes you see uh, before then and then now what are the changes and how much it is progressed? And um, what is your data science now, live streaming now? Yeah, so back in 2019, I had a message from LinkedIn mm -hmm. saying that now I was able to do live streams on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, and that's only for a few people right now. Not everyone can do a live stream on LinkedIn. But I have the chance. So, I mean, in the beginning, I was just doing basic live streams on whatever I thought. And then I realized, like, okay, I have to use this for a good cause. And then um, I created a show called Data Science Now. And the show has three parts. One uh, is actually have, it has four parts. Um, is being held live on LinkedIn. Um, every two Wednesdays, something like that, I, I'm live on LinkedIn mm -hmm. talking about something. Um, and then that is transformed into a podcast that is on Spotify and iTunes and all of that. You also have the video. Mm -hmm. uh, and finally, you have a newsletter. Yeah, yeah. And the newsletter is growing insanely fast. Is like, I was not expecting that. I have more than 19,000 followers only on the newsletter. Wow. And, and that was super fast because I only have 10 episodes. So that is um, that is yeah, very interesting, and the show is about different things that I feel like talking about in data science. Mm -hmm. So you have stuff about the the math of data science, the math of machine learning. You have stuff about the future of the field of data science. Mm -hmm. uh, you can hear about it, and you you also have stuff like how to interpret data from the coronavirus. I also did uh, an episode. Uh, 
about that. I also have like uh, some explanatory show. Um, um, I, 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 I have an episode where I teach how Netflix uses recommender systems and how that works. And in the newsletter, I have like the algorithms and the papers and all of that. So it's like a, in, in the video format, this is a very simple explanation, me talking about it. And then you go to the newsletter and get all the links, the books, uh, the algorithms, the code and all of that. So um, that's what I'm doing right now. And it's part of my new company called Cluster. And Cluster is a company that in like has the idea in the future to create um, courses on data science and machine learning. I'm working on that. I'm, I'm creating the courses right now. But before that, we're launching uh, this type of shows and we're creating material and content and infographics and, 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 and articles about data science uh, just to get started to add value. And I think I want to go back to the first thing I said when I said that not everything is creating money. And, and that's important because so... Right now, I am very happy with what I'm doing and I'm happy with my work and I'm winning money and I'm happy with all of that. But the, I, I, when, I mean, to get there, I had to do tons of stuff that left me zero dollars. Mm-hmm. And it's not the most important thing because, I mean, when I was, I mean, in, from 2017 to 2019, I created 115 articles. And no one paid me anything for that. And, and so it was uh, a lot of job. I mean, a lot of work, sorry. So creating, I mean, creating that many articles, like it's take, it took me time, took me effort, investigation, reading, writing. But now that after like a year after all of that, that I did like very hard work, mm-hmm. now I'm happy because I have more gigs, I am working, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm making good money because all of the things I did before that didn't leave me anything. I mean, the, the office hours were free. No one get, got paid for that. And we, we spent hours doing that. Um, this has, now my new show is also for free. No one's paying me to do that. But, and and it, it, it takes time, it takes effort, editing, cameras, software, all of that things. And no one's paying me for that. But I know that in the end, the result will be great. So, I mean, you have to pursue what you want. You have to do it, even though no one's paying to you because someone's going to notice you. Someone's going to tell, hey, this guy is doing awesome things. So I want to hire him to be a data scientist or, or the boss in my company or a manager, whatever. So, I mean, I think that's, not, that's one of the best advices from my experience. Like, do, like, do an, an, an insane amount of work, even though you're not getting paid for that because in the end, it's going to be worth it. Again, it's going to be valuable. That's true. Very true, actually. And uh, people out there, actually, whenever you criticize anybody's content or something, uh, it is very, very worth checking out that, you know, how much effort that's spent beha- behind that, actually, because when it comes to content creation, it is not an e- easy job, actually. If single person is creating a content which is worth value adding to any uh, field, it is lot more efforts goes behind that, which Fabi already mentioned, actually a lot more aspects goes behind that. And person has to invest most important thing is time actually, uh, which is he has to manage along with his job and all other work stuff actually. So it is not like always you get everything monetized, but a lot of people do it to pursue their passion and interest 
plus whenever you are criticizing anybody's or giving feedback to anybody you have to check by from your side first that you know whether it is worth commenting in that way or not so but it, 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 i mean that's going to happen and that's important so if you grow more and more and more whenever you grow more you're going to head you're going to get more haters yes. and that's it you have to deal with that yes. and now i have like 76,000 followers on linkedin Yes. And so there's a lot of people and some of those people, I don't know, they, some of them hate me. I don't know why, but when uh, we all have haters and that's the way, I mean, if you want to grow in any space, you're in marketing, data science, if you're in healthcare, whatever, and you're getting attention, you're, you're going to get haters. So you have to deal with that. Yes, yes. That's a very valid point that the criticism you have to always convert into the positive and try to do better. But anyways, uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, it is very, very important to take both the feedbacks, whether it is positive or negative for the content creator side, but for the audience also, it's very important that you should understand the efforts behind that as well for that particular person. So uh, moving towards, uh, you know, uh, more about data science programming languages. So uh, which is your favorite programming language? and? So I think if you start see, I mean, if you follow me on, on LinkedIn, you see that Python is my world right now. I actually got started with R. Mm -hmm. so, and before R, I was in Scala. And I think that's a very good story, like a, a very short story I want to tell right now. So back in 2013, I was studying computer science and computer engineering. And so what I learned was C++ and Java and JavaScript because that's what they teach you in this type of school. And so then I was like, okay, I want to do machine learning because I was studying it and I was doing courses. And then I was like, okay, but these languages are very different from the, world I'm, the ones I'm learning. All of the courses back in 2013 were in Octave, not even in R. Um, so I, I started learning Octave and then I learned R because it was like, okay, R, like eight years ago, R was huge. Mm -hmm. And Python was just starting in data science. Mm -hmm. So if you were starting in data science 10 years, eight years ago, you were studying, uh, you, you were studying R. Mm -hmm. So, but then before me moving into Python, uh, back in 2014 and 15, Scala got very popular, like very, very popular because uh, there was some library called Spark that was very famous at that moment. And we were all learning Spark because it was big data. And you were also learning like, like how to do like, live, like streams with Kafka and you had Spark and you have all of this great stuff. And they were all done in Scala. So um, I really thought back in 2015 that the language for data science was gonna be Scala, not Python. So I got like into Scala, I did courses, I read books, and I, I was very into the language. And now, looking back, I think that was interesting. And if, if anyone has time in their life, they should learn Scala. It's an awesome language. So, um, I mean, it's not that useful anymore, not as Python maybe, but it's a good language. Um, but then uh, the people, the same people in, in Spark, and they moved into Python as well. They created PySpark, and then TensorFlow came along. Yes. And TensorFlow was a big, uh, was a life changer for both of, uh, for, for I think for everyone here. And because and and in the in the beginning it was C plus plus, but then 
very fast. It was in, 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 in Python, and you got PyTorch, and you got all of these great libraries, and they will all be developed in Python. And then you start seeing stuff like papers with code and in the archive and in, in, on, on GitHub, everyone was moving into Python, like everyone in the world. So I, I, I moved there. So I jumped into the Python world and I've been there for the past uh, four, four years maybe, um, four or five years. And I think if I can recommend a language for anyone, Right now, it will be Python. I'm not saying that R is not important as well, or that C++ is not important, or Go, or Julia, or Scala, or Java. You should learn all of them, and that's the reality. I mean, in the past, I mean, since I was 15, I'm, a, I'm programming, and I, I started programming in JavaScript when I was 15 years old, and I really love the world of languages. And now I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I know Haskell and I know Scala and I know Java and I know Pascal and I know uh, SQL. And it's just the way it has to be because you can take advantage of all of those languages. Mm -hmm. And in some of my experience working for companies, sometimes you cannot choose a language. Sometimes you have to, hey, we use R here, good luck. Or uh, there's a part, or, or you have to translate something from Java to Python. That happens in, in, in real life. So if you are stuck in, I, I will only learn Python and that's it, you're not getting the full picture of programming. You need to learn as most languages as you can, and you need to master at least two of them. And for me, that is R and Python. But for other people, that can be C++ and Python. That can be R and Java. That can be Scala and JavaScript, maybe, whatever. Because with all of those languages, you can do machine learning. You can do data science. You can do everything you want. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. And one more uh, thing I can see that the way you learned it and explored all the languages. It is more about oh, one important aspect to say that in industry, it might be possible in your job role, they will just say that, okay, use the R or use the Python. It won't be like your favorism anymore. So adaptability is very important. Like you are, you being the flexible and open to the learning and taking that challenge. So thank you so much for sharing that and uh, moving towards uh, finally, like, you know, uh, your organization actually. Uh, so any interesting like you know insights client projects uh, you would like to share with the audience of course so cluster as the name suggests the idea is to have a cluster of things okay mm -hmm. so back in 2018 i created a company called data and science it, it, it was only in spanish so ciencia y datos was the name in spanish um, and then uh, it transformed into the biggest Spanish blog on data science. It actually is right now. Mm -hmm. So if you go, if, you're, if you speak Spanish, uh, search for Ciencia y Datos and you can uh, read more about data science. And my, my idea back then was, okay, how can I uh, create something else from this company I, I, I was creating? And then I got the, um, the feeling that I was not going, I mean, I was one, I, like in the future, mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about more than only data science. So I developed a new concept uh, called cluster that the idea is to have multiple fields in there, not only data science, not only machine learning. So uh, you can expect in the next months 
several courses on data science, on machine learning, that will happen. But we'll also have courses on more things like graphic design, culture, mm -hmm. education, art, all of these things. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for, for, for teachers all around the world to create courses with me. And I mean, if you think about it, it's just very close to Coursera, very close to EDX. Mm -hmm. But we're trying, I mean, the, the, the difference here is I'm really trying to connect with the students. So the way we're creating the material, we're going to have live sessions. We're going to get closer to you as a student. So that's one of the differences uh, that I'm trying to make with the company. And also the other part of the company is creating content. That, that is what we're doing right now. And we have some newsletters, we have some shows, we have some webinars, um, we, we have podcasts. So we're going to be launching more and more of this type of stuff. Um, we're going to be creating uh, like more infographics and stuff about data science and machine learning and anything else. So uh, right now it's a very broad uh, concept we have. Uh, the idea is to capture as much uh, as much uh, concepts and ideas and theories and fields we have, we can in, in, into the company and to, in, to transform all of that in, 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 in with simple words into knowledge for the, the audience. So that's basically what we're doing right now. That sounds interesting, actually. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, hope audience will enjoy that as well, like, you know, your upcoming uh, new adventure. Uh, so uh, moving towards one more important aspect I saw that, you know, in your education, actually, uh, you did something with the physics, actually, physics with the cosmology or something like astrophysics as well. So how was your experience? And I think that uh, that education is helping you anywhere in your current uh, field. Yeah. So I think anyone coming from a scientific field or engineering field has a great advantage uh, on going into data science because I, I think even more people with science than engineering because in science, when I was studying physics, I studied a lot of advanced materials like advanced mathematics, advanced calculus and statistics, advanced statistics. So when I moved into the science, like I know all of this, like it, it was not hard for me to move. What I needed to learn was like machine learning, the specifics of on, on how to uh, understand a business and stuff like that. That's the thing you have to learn. But like the intellectual material behind data science that is machine learning mostly, if you're coming from science, it's very simple to, to go from there. So when I was studying physics, I, um, I, focus on the world of cosmology. And cosmology is on, on understanding the universe from its equations. It's not astronomy. In astronomy, what you do is you search with telescopes and understand the empirical universe. You, you search for observations and you make sense of the observations. Mm -hmm. In cosmology, yes, you use some of that, but you're more, most interested in the equations that governs the universe. And that means Einstein's equations of the fields of gravity and matter. Uh, you understand like the different particles, uh, quantum mechanics, and all of those uh, like the advanced theoretical physics. That's what you do in, in, in cosmology. And so not everything is useful for, for data science, of course. I mean, I'm not using anywhere in data science the Einstein's equation. That's not the case. But underneath, Einstein's, um, um, 
equations, what you have are partial derivatives, partial mm -hmm. depression equations that are actually being solved by computers. And that's very interesting. I got interested in computation because of physics. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I liked programming when I was younger and it was interesting, but it was like a hobby. But then when I got into physics, I discovered that everyone in the world was doing physics, not in a paper in a, in, in with a pencil. Uh, and, but you transform those equations into computer systems, into dynamic systems, and then you evolve them with advanced programming. And when I was doing my master's, I actually did, uh, uh, I, I had as a subject um, ad, um, distributed computation. I saw numerical methods, and all of that is actually is, is also being done in data science and machine learning. I mean, you, all, you have distributed machine learning. Um, most of the algorithms we have for machine learning are actually doing numerical computation underneath. Optimization is just an iterative algorithm, and they're all coming from physics mostly, and they're all coming from biology and chemistry. All of those fields created the algorithms for different stuff. It's just that the people in data science and machine learning took them, and, and, and now they're working for other stuff. So um, I think my experience has been great. I, I think the hardest part was understanding businesses and stuff like that because all of my career was very scientific, very, and, and science not the same as business. Mm -hmm. And so um, that, I, I think that was, the, and, and that, that was the tricky part, and I learned it while working. I mean, I didn't do a course in business. I didn't do a course in finance. Uh -huh. uh, what I did was like I started in jobs and then I I went to meetings. I asked people. I asked for help from like experts in businesses and I had mentors. And now like five years later, I'm happy and I'm I'm okay work, uh, working in any company because now I know how things work. I know the, the different frustration. I mean, when you're a scientist, you get frustrated with some things. When you're working in a business, you get frustrated for different things. So you need to manage both frustrations. You need to manage um, different types of people. Scientists are not the same as business people. So you need to manage different types of people. You need to talk about different stuff. You need to lower down sometimes what you're saying because in science, we're very used to big words and big theories and, and complex equations. And that's not the case in, 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 in data science. If you're in a meeting and you show the equation for a gradient boosted tree, no one's gonna care about that. So you really need to transform the way you speak, the way you think, the way you explain things. And that only happens if you, uh, while working, while being there, exposing yourself, you're gonna fail sometime, uh, you're gonna get scared sometime, but you have to do it to, I mean, because in the end, it's gonna be worth it again. Yeah, thank you so much, actually. It was very insightful, uh, learning more about some different field as well. So thank you so much. And bottom line, as you mentioned, that everything is a science, so you should be open, like, you know, any kind of. Yeah. Uh, moving towards uh, one more important aspect is like, you know, when you see the data science now, like, you know, uh, what are the specific skill sets uh, you see that are going to be always valuable to anybody's profile? I think um, programming is going to get more mm -hmm. automated in the future. Mm -hmm. So programming is, and, and this may sound heretic, what I'm going to say not right now, but uh, programming is going to be less important in the future. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That doesn't mean you don't need you you shouldn't learn programming and you say oh, okay that's it I'm gonna be a robot no um, you need to learn programming because we don't know when that's gonna happen we are not sure when the world of auto machine learning is gonna be kicking ass everywhere and because right now what we have is that we have people that need to learn how to program how to code in Python R or whatever they they have to develop the algorithm, stuff like that. But in the future, and we're seeing this, we have more knowledge, uh, more, more, more people are interested now in, in automating a lot of the process of data science. And we now have auto data cleaning, auto data exploration, we have auto machine learning, we have auto exploitation of algorithm. So it's, it's, it's important for you to understand that what we have right now, the, like the only thing right now we have that is not going to be easily automated is understanding the world of businesses and how to apply what you're doing with data science to that. That's not going to be easy. I mean, it's, I, I don't see in a very short period of time that I'm going to be going to a machine and say, like, hey, what should I do? That's not going to happen very fast. That, that will happen in some point. So we will have to move into other places. Uh, but... Right now, I think what people should be learning a lot is how to explain algorithms, uh, the internals of algorithms, mm-hmm. because it's going to be more important to create new algorithms and create new uh, advances in machine learning than to actually code machine learning. I mean, researchers are getting more important because mm-hmm. research is not being automated. It's not being automated. It's done by people. People are going there. They're, 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 they spend months in a in a uh, years in in a, in a PhD or months in a postdoctoral uh, study, or they're working for a university and they're spending years understanding and creating new algorithms. Mm-hmm. That is not automated. So all of those things that are not being easily automated, you should focus on that because if you get an if, if you uh, think that being an expert in TensorFlow is what data science is about, you're wrong. Because in some years, some Google is going to say, oh, we have developed uh, an auto TensorFlow programmer. You just have to click enter, and you're going to create a, a code in TensorFlow. And that's going to happen. I mean, it's not going to take that much time for big companies to create robots that can program and code. That's going to happen very, very soon. So. You should learn how to program and code and, and languages and all of that. But the research part and the business section are the ones who are, uh, that are not getting automated right now. And I think the other thing that, that people should be studying right now is the world of graphs, knowledge graphs, data fabrics. And, and I have a, a, an extensive amount of articles on that. If you search for my name and graph or my name and knowledge graph, you see, like I have like eight articles on on, on the field because I uh, one of the like the industry is moving towards that uh, graph, uh, like machine learning on graphs, deep learning on graphs, topological data analysis. All of those things are happening right now. So um, those are the things that are actually not getting automated that fast because they're they're actually very heavy in math. Mm-hmm. And they're the and you need to do uh, more more advanced stuff to get them automated. So um, I, I think that's actually one of the 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 places people should go and study. Yeah. 
Thank you so much. Actually, uh, the way you are talking definitely it is a value or our thing. Actually, the way you are explaining us it shows your knowledge, uh, how much you are passionate about this particular field and uh, every single thing actually which you are saying. I think definitely every student out there is going to learn from a lot from you. So we are looking forward to your actually new adventure that you have started with your company and uh, wish you very good luck with that. Moving towards um, your leadership style, uh, definitely you are a leader in the area you are passionate about. So, what is your leadership style if you have to summarize and any specific leader that you follow or admire? I think um, so. I've I had the chance to lead people in a company, and um, I had the chance to be a leader in the space of data science because people are following me. So I think the best thing I can, like the best advice I can give to anyone who wants to be a leader or is in a, in a leadership position and want to do better is the, world, is the word inspiration. Mm -hmm. I think inspiring people is just the, is, is the way of getting your message out there and getting people interested in doing anything for you or with you. I mean, if you're doing, if, if, you're, if you're just mandating orders and saying you have to do this and do this and do this, and I mean, sometimes you have to do that, and that's important because sometimes you really need to, 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 to tell people what to do, but if you tell them in a way that they can get inspired and they can develop a passion about what they're doing, it's not going to be the same. I mean, if you get everyone in a company passionate about a project, it's not going to be like hard work for them. They're going to be, they're going to be having fun. They're going to be learning. And I, I, I think uh, introducing learning in every experience of working is important. If someone is doing a job and they're not learning anything, they're going to get bored. Mm. So you need to inspire them to feel like they're doing something important, but they, you, you, you should also put pieces of learning so they are always improving, always getting more interesting things about what they're doing. And um, I think that's just super important uh, before, I mean, before thinking about how to delegate and how to uh, create projects and how to say you have to do this and do that and do that. That's easily, I mean, that's, that's not that hard to do. I think the hard, the, the really hard part here is be one with your team, that they, they have to feel that like you're a part of them, that you are helping them, that you want to inspire them, that you want to, uh, and, and you need to be passionate about it because if you're not passionate about it, you will, you will not transmit that to them. And you want them to feel happy. You want them to feel that, they, uh, um, that they're doing something important. Even though the project can be very simple, or the project can be super basic. I mean, for some of them, it's, it's going to be their first, their first experience. For some of them, uh, and, and if you have a very great guy or, a, or a girl that they're experts, you need to find ways of actually inspiring them to be better. You, I mean, if, if you have people that think they, they know it all, no one knows it all. So try to find places where they can learn more, improve what they know, um, and you'll see tremendous amount of success. And you'll also see like the way people work with passion and inspiration, 
mm-hmm. it's just much better than just following goals and objectives. It's just much, much better. Yeah. Thank you so much. You have a great leadership style. I can see that. And the being knowledgeable to others definitely inspires people actually to work more because whenever they see the other person giving so much information or knowledge and has a lot more to share, definitely people get inspired and do at least 10% of it. Try to do something about it. So thank you so much uh, for sharing your leadership style and uh, moving towards our last uh, question of this podcast is about, you have given lots of advices and tips actually as of now, but uh, tips of advice for the people actually who are the professionals, but struggling to get like, you know, switch their career into the data science. Like they are working on some other areas and they want to move towards the data science or students who are pursuing their education and trying to get into the data science as their first job. Uh, what would be the career advice would you like to give to those people? Of course. So I think getting noticed, and I think I mentioned this before, is pretty important right now. Mm-hmm. It's much more easier to get a job if they're looking for you mm-hmm. than if you're looking for them. I mean, if you, I mean, I have LinkedIn Premium, and mm-hmm. if you have one month for free, everyone listening, if you want to test that. Mm-hmm. And if you test that, you see that when you apply to a company, there are thousands of applicants. Mm-hmm. So how to stand out? That's very hard. Um, and I, um, I don't think I will have the time to talk about how to stand out if you want to stand out. But what I can say right now is that if you start sharing your experience, mm-hmm. if you start talking about what you do, what you know, if you create projects, and this is cru- crucial, having a portfolio in data science is, it may be the most important thing. So um, open a Kaggle account, open a GitHub account, create projects, download data, uh, create articles. It's not that hard as it sounds. I know that when you hear about creating an article in data science, you're like, oh, well, how can I do that? It's not that difficult. When I got started, I was, hesitant on doing it because I, I, I felt like I don't have the knowledge to do it. I don't know if someone's going to say that. I don't know that, that much. But then you, got, you, get very, you get better very fast. So mm-hmm. after the, the article number 10, article number 20, 30, 40, 50, you, it's, yeah, your, your fingers are flowing. You're, you're, it's going to be super simple to transform your ideas into text. Mm-hmm. And, and why is this important? Right now, the best way to stand out is not having the best resume. It's just getting people to see that, oh, this guy has created four projects and they're all important. Uh, They are getting attention in the media maybe, or people are talking about it. You're gonna get calls. You're gonna get people trying to get you to work for them because uh, there's not that many people doing that. So most people, what they're doing is that they have a big four pages resume with a uh, hundred courses. Uh, th- I don't know. Uh, I have my master, my PhD, whatever, but you don't have anything. So, but you're going into an, an, a process that is automated. And that's very important to understand before someone seeing your, your actual resume, a computer is going to take a look at your resume. And so if he's not finding what he want to find, mm-hmm. you're going to get there. You're going to get lost in the world. You're going to go to the, to the outside of the, the, uh, the, the funeral. Mm-hmm. So 
out, uh, like being an outstanding applicant is not just only having a good resume. You should have that. And there are people that can tell you more about how to create a good resume. But if you want to stand out, be able to, you have to be able to share what you know, create projects, show them, and then you'll see like you're going to get offers all the time. And I'm going to disclose something right now. Sometimes, so as, as you may know, I have a lot of followers on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. For me, because all of the things I'm doing, mm -hmm. I'm getting like two offers a week. Wow. Okay? Mm -hmm. I'm, not taking any, I'm not taking any one of these offers because I'm happy with what I'm working. Mm -hmm. Okay? I'm happy with what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But I'm not looking for a job anymore. I just have so much... I have so many offers that is why would I want to look for something else? Because I have them all there. And I know that if I want to, if I decide to change jobs, it's just super simple for me because people are looking for me. So, and it's not because I'm a genius. It's not because I'm the best in the world. It's because I got, I mean, I, I had the courage mm. to talk about it, to talk about what I know, to, to, to talk about what I do. So people noticed me and they've been doing that for the past years. So now it's super simple for me to get a job. So I, I think that's my best advice. If you want to get a job, very in, like in a, if you start creating a portfolio and create articles for two, three months without, I mean, no stop for three months doing articles and projects, you're going to get at least five calls in the, in, in the, in the month after that, believe me. Thank you so much, actually. It was great, actually, listening to you, uh, as always. Uh, I used to enjoy whatever content you uh, post, actually. I always enjoy that. So thank you so much. And it was really, really very useful and insightful episode for my uh, podcast series as well. So thank you so much for being my guest. And uh, I really appreciate your time and hope to see you succeed ahead in your life actually and your new adventure so thank you so much and uh, have a great rest of your weekend and audience hope you will also enjoy this episode so until we meet happy leading let's live together bye for now thank you bye 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 thank you so much.